Father, we do thank you. This is a moment in time where the lyrics of that old hippie song become very pertinent again, Lord, that, that united we can make a big difference, Lord. A house divided will fall, but God, yet you said, behold how good and how precious it is when brethren dwell together in unity. And you're the great unifier, Lord Jesus. You broke down the dividing wall between the Jews and the non-Jews, those that were out of a covenant, those who had a covenant. You made a new covenant, a new relationship, a new opportunity, and we all yield to it from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every dialect, all ages, both genders, all ethnicities. We ask for the move of the Holy Spirit in this place in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Well, you may be seated. I'm teaching on miracles, and the miracle principle for today is that obedience produces blessing. Obedience doesn't cost, it pays. It pays to obey God. And um, I want to talk to you about the miracle of an obedient life. And um, I, want to, I want to go to a couple of scriptures in the book of Mark just to lay a foundation. Mark chapter 16 and um, how many of you came uh, with ears to hear? And if you're a note taker, you could write down on the top of your paper the miracle of an obedient life. And we're going to look at and study uh, yieldedness and um, respect toward God, credence to what he tells us to do, complying or being willing to follow orders, yield to his request, be submitted to his will. And it says in Mark chapter 16, he said to go into all the world, chapter 16, verse 15, he said to them, go into all the world, preach, proclaim, share, teach the gospel, the good news to everybody, to all creation, to everybody. And uh, then it goes down in verse 20, it said they went out and preached everywhere, so they they were obedient, while the Lord worked with them. They went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. Now that is a beautiful, amazing truth that they did what they were supposed to do and God did what he promised he would do and that is essentially the miracle of an obedient life. The principle is when we obey, we're going to be blessed. Obedience begets blessing. And I want to go to the book of Acts, chapter 10, since we're so close to it. And uh, I want you to look at a verse, verse 44, Acts chapter 10. Peter is preaching here, and um, he made this famous statement in verse 38. You know Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus didn't do what he, uh, things of his own volition. He only did what he saw his father doing, and he modeled obedience. This is what he complied with. This is what God insisted upon. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Lord has anointed me to bring good news to a hurting world. And we are in this moment where we're being commissioned and prepared, trained, and made ready for a series of divine happenings. The people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. I propose to you that each individual in this room has a purposeful set of gifts that God has deliberately downloaded in you. I see a sister here who plays tennis, talked to her friend at the tennis court for a couple years. She got saved. 
And there's real fruit in that. Your mom pointed to her friend when she got baptized the other day. Even though the heater broke down in the baptistry, your mom, she still got baptized anyway. It was just a little cooler, if she'll never forget it. And she pointed to her friend that was a catalyst that was impactful in helping her to come to know the Lord. Now, Peter, now I want, I want you to see something here. In verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. <laughs> he was doing a natural thing. He was Peter, a man, and he was preaching a message. But while he was doing his human part, something supernatural took place. So I want to tell you that God wants to manifest himself at any time, at any moment, in any conversation, in any situation with any one of us. And so we need to understand that and uh, yield to that and begin to desire earnestly these things so we can see his divine purposes come to pass through our prayers, through our kindness, through our giving, through our generosity, through our liberality, through our obedience in the little things. Um, Luke chapter 16, verse 10, don't turn there, but it says, He who is faithful in very little, a little thing, is faithful also in much. Steve Kowalik, what's, how, what's that phrase that was on that, that church uh, wall that we saw together? Uh, what you, the way you do uh, a little thing. The way you do anything is how you do everything. Attention to the detail. I saw a dad here walking in with his kids. He put an orange shirt on his littlest one so they wouldn't get lost, right? He's a smart dad. And, uh, and the, the spike-haired kid waved to me in the prayer room, and I thought the best part of it is that, that they're trained up in the way they should go, and they're poised for great fruit and great results. Nobody made you come here. You're here because you're hungry for God. You are tracking in a destiny. You're on a timetable. You're on course. The purposes of God from everlasting to everlasting uh, have seized upon you. You know how to pray. You know how to overcome. You're more than a conqueror. You're a warrior in your heart. You fight the good fight of faith. This young lady told me a great testimony about her work and her health and how she's doing better. And I'm telling you, there's some monumental things. I think I saw Brock here. Is Brock here the... The, the tree guy, Brock, or, or, did I see you coming to church? Anyway, he got a deliverance on a high, high level. And I just think about the amazing testimonies, what you shared about the blessing on your job the other day. And uh, I had some amazing things happen. I was sitting preparing, studying, writing down my notes, and right in the middle of it, the Lord prompted me to make a phone call to somebody. So I called them. They answered immediately. And we just had an amazing 17-minute conversation. And it was holy. I hung up the phone and I realized that my steps were being ordered by the Lord. Well, at the same time, my wife was out doing a number of errands and chores and things. But then she got in that track of uh, what we know about the Holy Spirit's leadership and guidance. And I just propose to you, it's a magnificent life to walk by faith and not by sight. And it's a magnificent idea to understand that God, when Peter was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell. And, um, and I want to read something to you that, that we see portrayed here in the, the human and divine drama, the contrast with uh, a picture of the natural and the supernatural teamwork. This is what I really have tried to portray here on Friday nights. 
Uh, these signs will follow those who believe. God has actually called us to, into the supernatural. And even highly liturgical churches or churches that are cessationists and don't, no longer believe these gifts are for today, they would have to admit, though, that the core of Christianity is supernatural. Jesus rose from the dead. So there's no denying that this is a supernatural enterprise. And uh, if you take that out, that's the very underpinning of, the, of everything of Christianity. And that is inherently supernatural. So we might as well just go for the full uh, import of all that the Bible teaches and get everything we can get because we are on course with God who is pouring out his spirit on all flesh and he wants to manifest himself in ways that are beyond description, in subtle little things and in medium-sized things and what we would call big grand things. And if we're faithful in a little thing, He'll give us responsibility over great things. Amen. You want to know the reward for hard work? More hard work. You want to know the reward for hard work? You know the result of it? Fatigue. They'll be, I'm so tired. That's hallelujah. You were doing something. And they keep giving me more jobs and more responsibilities because you're doing your work heartily unto the Lord. And that's exactly how you're wired. God made you to be fruitful. Hallelujah. Peter is a human being. He's using human vocal cords, phrasing human sentences, speaking words in human language to human listeners who understand him on human terms, and that's all in the natural. The supernatural part is that while Peter was there functioning as an earthly human being on an earthly human level, it just so happened that the Holy Spirit fell on all the listeners working within their hearts what only the Holy Spirit can accomplish. This is what a guy like me coming in in a situation like this with folks like you, I am desperate for. And like Addison read the verse on her, on her phone, that when we minister, we're to minister as with the strength God supplies so that in all things Jesus will be glorified. And then when my wife had that prophecy, is don't go doing things in the flesh, wait on the Lord. And we, I've watched this. And I've been in ministry now for 40 years. I've been a Christian since 1972. So almost 50 years ago, I, I got saved as a teenager. I was from a secular home, lost, empty, sinning, and Jesus changed my life. And I've watched cycles, and I've watched seasons, okay? And um, I'm telling you, there's darkness before the dawn, and I think that's important that we understand that. There are lulls before the storm. Now, these are cliches we hear, but there's actually truth in them. And also, what I've noticed is right before a legitimate move of the Holy Spirit, people that want to be somebody in the kingdom push to try to provide leadership and try to, they anticipate it, and that's good. They try to do a lot of it in the flesh. So, but they that wait upon the Lord will gain new strength. And we calibrate and we do it in God's way and on God's terms, we'll see a better, more, a longer, a longer lasting result, and that will be more anointable. How many of you'd like to be anointable? So we just got to eliminate sin and weights and encumbrances and bad attitudes, and we got to stay in faith and hunger and thirst for the purposes of God to come to pass. So Peter apparently was hungry for that, and so while he was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all the listeners uh, who were hearing the message. So uh, that supernatural part uh, changed things. It, it, it was that human and divine teamwork that I'm trying to talk about here. Remember Mark chapter 16, verse 20. They obeyed. 
They went out everywhere. That's what Jesus just said in verse 15. Go into all the world and preach. While the Lord worked with them. How about that? Would you love that? When he's in your conversations, he's actually power assisting you with that text of encouragement. I just did a service for a woman I've known for about 40 years. I knew her daughters and and, uh, and I felt like God wanted, he was instructing me to affirm the value of a life of obedience, a simple life of just doing your work unto the Lord. And whatever your hand finds to do, do it. Do it with a good spirit and, and, and lead a quiet life and work with your own hands. And how magnificent the outcome will be of a life of obedience. And uh, how many of you would like to see the presence of the Lord with greater frequency manifesting himself in your life and through your life in all this hurting, crazy, chaotic world. Please raise up both hands and both feet. Come on, let's get it going here. So Peter spoke these words externally and the Holy Spirit cooperated, co-labored with him by causing the crowd to hear the word internally. I, I, you know... I had a text from a friend, I, uh, he was my pastor who ordained me back in the beginning, and he and I would pray together before meetings, and we would have amazing results, and we would celebrate it, it would be phenomenal. We would pray things, and the Holy Spirit would show us and prompt us and lead us in what to pray, we'd pray it, and then we'd go out and we'd walk it out, and we'd come back together and go, did you just see what just happened? And it over and over and over again, over and over and over again. So it's not just exclusive to Jesus' earthly ministry or to the apostles uh, up to 100 AD. This is for 2021, and this is for you guys watching me online. I'm telling you, I believe in God that as I preach, the Holy Spirit's going to fall on you, and it's going to change the dynamics of the way you think. It's going to get you out of depression. Uh, man, who's ever been crawling on your belly through that minefield? That, I hate that. And how many of you have been so freaked out and, 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 and anxious? So those extremes, God can bring us into peace. He's the Prince of Peace. I just talked to a lady. Their family went through a, a serious uh, issue, and she said that everything st kept staying calm, and it was because the God of all comfort was walking them through it. And even though they had a real significant attack, the man that went through the battle, he just said, through it all, though, I, we had so much favor. And he had explained it to me a couple weeks ago about how it could have been a whole lot worse. How many of you, even in your trials, the Lord's been good to you? Even in the losses, even when you skin your knees and you come and you, you know, the, the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. So, look, when Peter was preaching, he was not given a book review, he was not given a weather report or crime statistics, he was not giving a political opinion, he was uh, proclaiming God's word. And that word is the vehicle that the Lord blesses. A lady talked to me yesterday. You just preached the word. And uh, the answer to that is, well, yeah, I do. Because the Bible says, and she didn't say it dismissively. She said, man, I appreciate that you preach the word. That's the message. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. And so, because the time will come when people won't endure good teaching and they'll go whack. So we've got to stay adamant on the big deal. I know it's humid outside. Next week it's going to be 80. Somebody told me that's great. 
and they come, those things come and go. I know there are significant issues going on in society. They deserve to be prayed about, and we do think we, are all, we all have opinion, and we live in a, a republic where we're allowed to have freedom of, of speech and freedom of thought, and thank God for it. Uh, but the big deal of the big deal, while Peter was still speaking God's word, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's looking for channels through whom he can use. Amen. He's looking for people that he can move upon and act through. As Christians, you and I, we can expect the same positive response Peter received. If we do what Peter says he always did, which was preach the gospel, the Holy Spirit will then come upon him and fall from heaven. 1 Peter 1.12, the Holy Ghost was sent down from heaven. So let's proclaim the word of God. Let's let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. The miracle principle of today is obedience begets blessing. The miracle principle of the Bible, a verse of Mark 16.20, they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. There are people that need your message. The people that need your face, your smile, the sincerity of your intent, they need you to be pushed past artificiality and into authenticity, which is, in fact, the only way God really makes people. He makes something out of us. He changes us. He turns things around. Go to Isaiah 119, and I want to just underscore this point, just in it, this really emphatic verse to uh, ancient Israel through the Hebrew prophet uh, Isaiah. By the way, my t-shirt, can anybody tell me what that says? It's in Hebrew. Love. You knew that because you, I already told you that. All right, so <laughs> this verse is strong. If you consent and obey, the King James says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. Conversely, verse 20, if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Truly, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So, there's the, the pro and the con of things. Hey, stay, cons be, be consenting, be willing, be compliant, be yielded. I want to say that willingness is attitudinal and obedience is action. Willingness is an attitude. Like a lot of times our kids, you say, hey, do this, and they'll go, ah, and they're taking the trash out. And it's like they're obedient, but they're not exactly willing. God's wanting willingness and obedience, yeah. right? He wants us, he wants a, a, a breed of people that will follow him and, and into the fullness and be cooperative and yielded to him. So if we're willing and obedient, we'll eat the good of the land. We'll eat the good of the land. What a verse, what an idea, what a blessing, the best of the land. What would eat the best of the land mean? All, of it, all the provisions of God, if we'll just stay yielded to the Lord every step of the way, We'll see greater results, won't we? In Second uh, Chronicles, I want to go to Second Chronicles, and just for a moment, and look at chapter 26, and we'll just look at an Old Testament example of willingness and obedience, and a description of a king named Uzziah, who was a king of Judah, 16 years old when he became a king, and I want to show you some of the wording here. What led him to be uh, blessed? Uh, the, the chapter's chilling because he got off. He, he, got, he was strong in the Lord, and then he got strong in his own strength. And it's a, 
cautionary tale. It's, a, it's an exhortation of what God blesses, and it's also an admonition of what to avoid. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. If you disobey, you'll be devoured by the sword. So um, that's the reality of the goodness and the severity of the Lord. So here we see Uzziah. It says in chapter 26, verse 1, all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the place of his father, Amaziah. Everybody say Amaziah. Okay, so he built Eloth and restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king. He reigned for 52 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. So there's an acknowledgement of Amaziah, his father, Jechaliah, his mother, so he was respectful to and obeyed his mother and father, which is the Hebrew correct way to go, honor your mother and father. And this acknowledges both the mother and the father. And it goes on in addition to that, he says, uh, he did right in the uh, sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. So he followed that pattern. He continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah. So now it's a mother, a father, and a prophet who had understanding through the vision of God. So he listened to his elders and paid attention to the good counsel. And look at verse 5, the last part. This is what I want to get over to you. It's an obedience begets blessing verse. As long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. As long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Isaiah said in chapter 55. Seek, ask, seek, knock, like it says in the book of Luke. And unlimited seeking equals unlimited finding. As we acknowledge him in all our ways, the Bible says he'll direct our path. Interesting things will transpire and it will become the catalyst for the miraculous and the supernatural manifestations of your life that God has predetermined and destined you to walk in. I'm giving you a key to this thing right now. And in fact, while I'm preaching, the Holy Spirit has fallen on you and stimulating you, and I'm thanking God for that. Because it's going to cause a repercussive ripple effect. A couple days ago, we had our granddaughter at the house, and we have a pond, and she wanted to go skip stones, and then she, you know, she wanted to throw a big rock out there, so she threw big rocks out there, and then I told her about the ripple effect. I said, watch those ripples, and she said, wow, and I said, they're going to go all the way to the edge of the pond, and they're even going to come back, so sure enough, we watched for a while, and she was really fascinated by the ripple effect. Who's fascinated by the ripple effect? See, that's the thing. That's what grandkids bring to grandparents. They remind you to experience life in an adventurous and enthusiastic way instead of going ho-hum, I already knew that, I'm bored, boring, tell me more. No, it's like, wow, yeah, you start to rediscover some of the beautiful things of, of God's creation. And just the idea of just a, one act of obedience out of this group, out of you, one individual, just obedient to God in one moment could become a catalytic, repercussive effect that could have supernatural help that could go out and could change a nation. It could lead a whole family to the Lord. Come on. As long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. I hear, I've heard people criticize the concept of prosperity. It's like, well, what do you want then? You want lack, defeat, sickness, death? Jesus came to bring abundant life. 
excuse me, you don't, I mean, I, you, could, you don't know my motives, you, can't, you challenge my semantics, I, I'm not playing games here. Jesus came to set captives free. Jesus came to save sinners, that's prosperity. It's like, oh, no, no, you can't, you can't have health and wealth and prosperity. It's like, wait a minute. The essence of what Jesus came to do was say, save lost people from their sins and from eternal separation in hell. It's prosperity to be saved and to be able to go to heaven. So that, in effect, is the message of redemption in its essence. And then it goes from that. Um, God activates us. He supplies seed for the sower and bread for food and increases the harvest of our righteousness. He gives us what we need for our lives, but also to be, not, ju not just be blessed, but also to be a blessing. And that these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. And when you believe in him, like the scripture says, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And that's good. So willingness denotes attitude. Obedience denotes actions. Willing, I'm going to yield to you. I'm going to obey you, God. I'm going to cooperate with you. And I'm going to take action on it. And James chapter 1, verse 22 says, But prove yourselves to be doers of the word, and not just hearers only, who delude or deceive themselves. So being a doer of the word, that word doer in the Greek is poetis. And that's the same word where we get poetry or a poet. And poets uh, were wordsmiths. Poets are people that express things in such interesting ways they're wordsmiths, and God actually wants us to be doers of the word on such a level that we're in cooperation with God. Like, so when Peter was preaching the message, the Holy Spirit has something to fall on. When I prayed with my pastor before meetings, meeting after meeting after meeting, he, I knew, I was confident he was a word man and he was going to preach Jesus. And I prayed to that effect that there would be a result and a, and a blessing that would come and would have an impact on people's thinking and on people's lives. We saw some outstanding things happen. Amazing things took place. That's happening right now. In the subtlety of this moment, in the aftermath of a two-year pandemic, we're in a moment of breathtaking possibility. The clouds are parting. The sky is opening. There's an open heaven. Bless the windows of heaven are opening up, pouring out blessings that we cannot contain that he's looking for people whose hearts are his that he may strongly support. Amen. It's fascinating what the Lord's doing. Yes. So it, you can read about Uzziah because it's fascinating. He built things. He had an agricultural skill, livestock. He was uh, entrepreneurial. He, he was a warrior and he activated and deployed the army and made him ready for battle. I mean, it was fascinating under his... The, his governance when he was, he was doing well, he was marvelously helped until he was strong. Then he, he leaned on his own power. He wanted to step over into a priesthood thing when he was actually called only to be a king. You see this a lot in the church. People misunderstand their roles and start pushing into different directions, and that becomes a troubled, troubling moment. But yet, T.L. Osborne said, man, you know, the laborers are few, just whatever. He was, he, his, his resolve, he was never, I don't think he was ever really a pastor, so he didn't have to work it out day by day. He just thought, just activate everybody and we'll just, remember that? So I'm just, I guess what I'm saying is that let's just all 
press into pursuit of God. And I know there's some interesting people watching online. And um, the Lord's preparing you. And you're so, you feel isolated. There's a pastor watching me trying to figure out how to lead your church into this. I know the Holy Spirit's going to help you. And, um, and it's going to be, your situation is going to be Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While you're busy preaching and speaking the word of God, the Holy Spirit will fall upon those who are hearing the word. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm believing, and I'm just about done, but I'm believing God that there's a stirring in you on your small, medium, and large responsibilities and that uh, the miraculous starts to happen with greater frequency. And our natural uh, miracles are what happens when our natural contacts God's supernatural. Miracles are what happens when our natural contacts God's supernatural. While Peter was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell. Isn't that amazing? What God will do in the quiet of a moment like this? You could be dog tired. I heard a minister say that he saw some of the greatest miracles take place uh, just when he followed the most subtle promptings of the Holy Spirit. So if you're taking notes, three things. Number one, let's be obedient to the word. Let's be obedient to the word. The word of God are the principles of, of faith and conduct. As we're standing on the promises, being obedient to the word of God, we can then expect amazing results when we are faithful to what the word says. For example, if the word says to forgive people, then we concentrate on forgiveness. We don't carry bitterness. If the word says to bless those who curse us, then we spend time praying for our enemies and blessing our enemies rather than foaming at the mouth, being bitter, and, and carrying a grudge because anger, wrath, bitterness, and those kinds of things are repellent to the anointing. And forgiveness and the love walk are catalysts for faith works through love. So love is value. Love is not necessarily a sentimental feeling. You can have hurt feelings toward people and still love them. I love people that I don't want to spend time with who hurt me. And I, I'm, I forgive them, but I, you know, I don't necessarily like them. I think you guys know what I'm talking about. But I love them. I love my enemies. And I pray for my enemies. Maybe now more than I ever have. And uh, because in order to stay uh, yielded to the possibilities of what God will do if we'll obey his word. Number two, to the subtle promptings of the Holy Spirit. The subtle promptings of the Holy Spirit. I'll propose to you that there is a mechanism on the inside of you as a consequence of the new birth. He said, my sheep know my voice, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. When I was a kid, I had a transistor radio and had an antenna on it, and the miracle of sound waves going through the air and that little transistor radio picking up the radio signals fascinated me as a young kid. And I listened to and dialed in to the, uh, at that time, only AM stations that were available. And I listened to uh, the music I picked rather than what my parents picked. My mom was into, she had a season where it was all Harry Belafonte and Caribbean Calypso music. And it was cool, 
for a while. But, but the thing that fascinated me and still does is how that technology is so amazing. But better than that, better than a, a radio being able to pick up radio waves is a born-again Christian being able to pick up the leading of the Holy Spirit. Better than anything. I mean, I, people have said, how, how do radios work? How does sonar work? How, you know, how, how does uh, MRIs with magnetism, you know, to ch check your systems and your, you know, sonograms, how does all that work? You know, we, well, I, uh, pa Pastor Jeff, I actually know, I got a PhD in it. Well, I'm, I'm not really asking for that detail right now, but how many of you are fascinated with stuff? Even the ripple effect, when I was with my five-year-old granddaughter, it's like, why is it doing that? And it's like, well, just because, you know, it's like, <laughs> but uh, it's just the way God made stuff. And, and look, I'm not an evolutionist that just this is all accidental. I don't, that's not my conclusion. I'm a believer in God and the Bible. I buy into the, the Genesis account that in the beginning God created and he said it was very good. He made humanity in his image, male and female, he created them and he visited them in the cool of the day. And he spoke to them face to face. He spoke to Moses face to face and Abraham face to face and Jesus face to face. And guess what? He wants to speak to you and me face to face. But we're to seek his face. Seek the Lord and seek his face. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. And then tuning into his word generally is what fine tunes us to the more specific promptings of the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You young kids have the same capacity to hear from the Holy Spirit as somebody that's nine times older than you. Because when you're born of the Spirit, you're born from above, you're begotten from above of the Father, and you know the Master's voice. And it's not spooky, it's not mystical. I'll tell you what, psychic stuff is a counterfeit for the move of the Holy Spirit. So horoscopes are a counterfeit for the legitimate Word of God. So we don't, we must not go into those counterfeits and get all, you know, well, isn't it? But they said they have that gift from God. Well, it could be familiar spirits with demons involved. So you just have to make sure you go with the word of God and then follow the witness and leadership of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit always and only will lead us into the truth. He never leads us, leads us into error and he always confirms the word and he always glorifies Jesus. Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit is, has your back, your sides, your front, your up, everything? He cares about you. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, the Bible says they are the sons of God. And I'm telling you, look at somebody next to you and say, be led. Be led. You know, instead of following the dictates of our flesh, we follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Those who walk in the Spirit are not under the law. Those who walk in the Spirit will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. In fact, you know, we all have flesh and we have trouble with it sometimes. And we could actually walk in the Spirit and mortify the flesh by walking in the Spirit. And I, I got a beautiful, I visited Paul Clark yesterday. He's getting married tonight to Heidi. And he's having a wedding. And, uh, and he, he was doing, building a concrete and stone wall out by his home. And he was using mortar and stones. And uh, mortifying the flesh is similar. It's, it's you mortify it. You put mortar on it and tell your flesh, you're not dominating me anymore. 
I see, as, as a Christian, you are now a partaker of the divine nature, but you're still in flesh. And the flesh has a, has, is at odds with the spirit and the spirit with the flesh. But you can mortify the flesh by yielding to and walking in the spirit. You're doing it right now. You got yourself up and came to church. You dialed this in and you haven't turned it off, even though 10 people have texted you. And you just kept flicking that up, and then you kept reading, you kept listening, and you're fighting for it. I've just got just a little bit more meat on the bone here of this message. But I want to just tell you, follow that inward witness. Follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. It's a very trustworthy uh, guidance system that the Lord has implanted in each one of us. It can dis differentiate truth and error. It could give you a greater edge of discernment. It could help you with business decisions and in your business transactions. It's like, I don't have a good witness on that. I've had people offer me some amazing things, and they looked good, but you know, all that glitters is not gold. And I got, started moving toward it. I was like, nope, don't do it. A great opportunity. And it's like, I just had kind of a... I don't know, God, if it's your will, I'll do it. If not, just preempt it. And he preempted that one. But then he opened up other things. And some things look really good, and you start going after them, and then and it may not be the Lord. But then you just say, say no. You, you, if you're obedient, you even say no to things that look good. And you just then you're available for the thing that God ultimately had set you apart for in the first place. I'm preaching really important stuff right now. It's very, very critical we get a hold of this because discernment is going to be one of the most important aspects of operating in the miraculous in these upcoming days. Discernment is sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and then sensibilities that are etched by it, by the Word and by the Spirit. And uh, there are people that are in the Word a lot and, and they don't pray and they, they dry up. And then there are people that are in the spirit and, and not in the word much, and then they burn up or blow up. But if you're in the word and the spirit, you're in prayer, you're, you're, you're staying in good in fellowship and you're, you're disciplining yourself, then you're on to something big. Obedient to the word, obedient to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. I wrote also obedient to the laws of nature and to be wise and be practical. Every time we have people going away to college, we not only try to teach them good uh, theology and good doctrine, uh, not only do we want them to understand uh, and have wisdom from God's word, but we also want them to have good street smarts. So I want to encourage you in the miracle life, be led by the Holy Spirit. One time we were at a pastor's retreat in, in Branson, and uh, one of the elderly guys uh, was watching television and said, hey, there's a big Hell's Angel convention down here. And uh, you, you ought to go there. They're at this meeting at this uh, this biker bar. So I said, Patsy, let's go. So we we went to the biker bar. Sure enough, big rows of motorcycles, hell's angels everywhere. And man, we're talking and sharing Jesus with people, and uh, and we had amazing conversations with everybody. And then we were outside, and we're just still talking to people. And then I was standing there with my wife right next to me, and and there were these ladies there. So we were talking, and my wife said, Stop talking to these girls. And, uh, and, I, and I thought, well, I, you know, nothing was fresh. I was 12 or 15 feet from him. There was nothing. Uh, and she had a, don't, don't violate natural law right now, Jeff. These are the biker babes of these hell's angels. Right? Because they were bowing up. 
and she probably prevented me from getting uh, my ponytail pulled out. <laughs> I didn't have a ponytail, but if I had one, it would have been pulled out over that. I think that's interesting what I just shared with you. We got to be led by the Holy Spirit. Like Reinhard Bonnke, we talked directly about this together. He had a, he had a heads up that he was going to be attacked in a certain country. So they were in the hotel trying to, praying, trying to figure out what to do. And one of the sort of kind of hero Yahoo guys on his team said, Reinhardt, are we going to go out there and we're going to preach? He goes, no, we're going to leave so we can live to preach another day. And he left. He had enough sense to obey the word, obey the holy, promptings of the Holy Spirit, and not defy natural law. Some things are just S-T-U-P-I-D. And you don't want to be, you don't want to have a case of stupid, Right? How many of you are trying to overcome heavy, severe terminal cases? Stupid. You don't want to put the Lord to a test. And you know, so you know, for example, I went, I I was, I'm a water man. I was raised in the ocean. I, I learned how to swim when I was five years old. I learned how to water ski at six. I mean, I'm I'm proficient. I swam for miles at a time. I knew how to, you know, hold my breath and go many laps under the water. I could hold my breath for long periods of time very skilled at diving, but I had trouble with it. And then uh, Megan, my, my daughter-in-law, her, her grandparents were Jewish and taught at Sheremeth congregation. She taught for 35 years there. So she's a legit Jewish mother. And she said to me, look, through marriage, I am your Jewish mother. And she said, You're, you have such big responsibility, you should not go out in the boat anymore. And I took that to heart like it was a word from the Lord. And so I haven't been out since then for, for years. And she's glorious since passed. And uh, I did her funeral with uh, Rabbi Jeff Stiffman. And, and I said, you know, that she, she told me that and that I, I, I did what she said. And he said, he said that's, um, that's very common that a Jewish mother would tell you what to do. And it's very uncommon that you would do, take heed and do what she said. So... <laughs> I, I, I love that. That dry Jewish humor is amazing. And uh, so in the miracle uh, of an obedient life, don't defy, don't be cavalier, don't be stupid. Don't put the Lord to a test, right? And uh, be led by the Holy Spirit. Don't be fearful either. My, my family's not, you know, ordering me not to go diving. My wife, she said, look, you know, you're an adult, you make your own decisions. But I made that decision. Actually, before, when I, right when I entered into ministry, I lived out in California right near Lake Elsinore, and skydiving was a big deal. And I aspired to skydiving. I thought, man, I, I would love to do that skydiving. And I felt like the Lord told me, don't skydive. You're going into ministry, you're going to be a, a dad and a husband and a dad, and there are things you're going to do, I don't want you to skydive. So I haven't, you know, people even gave me, uh, invited me for free to skydive, and hey, do you want to go skydive? And it's like, no. And uh, I'm not legalistic, like, you know, if you're a skydiver, hallelujah, and if you go out diving, hallelujah. Uh, I'm not saying any of this is taboo. I'm just saying in my case, I started to realize, well, this is, some, some things are good and some things uh, are not, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable, yeah. Right? I mean, there's some things that are okay to do, but they're just not the greatest thing to do. 
And that's where, that's where it's like, I want to see the miraculous and supernatural over the long period of time. I want to live out my days. I don't want to give myself a terminal case of stupid anymore. So I want to follow the word, follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit, and not defy the laws of nature. I, I was, when I wrote this down, I thought, am I supposed to write that in, this, in these notes? Yes. Last, last quick point. Last quick point. When Elisha was carrying the blessing of God on the earth, there was a captain of the army of the king of Aram, and his name was Naaman, and he had leprosy. He was very respected. He was, a very, he was special in the eyes of many people. And there was a young maiden that actually went to the king and said, hey, can you arrange to have the prophet bring healing to this man? And the king goes, he tore his clothes. He said, what am I? Am I God? Am I supposed to do some sort of, make some sort of miracle thing happen? But Elisha said, why have you torn your clothes? And he said, well, these guys are asking him about this. And he goes, no, I'm going to go to him. So he, he goes to him, and um, Naaman is open to uh, what he knows he needs help. He wants to be set free from the terminal, the, 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 uh, the, the incur incurable, rather, leprosy. And, um, but he has preconceptions. And um, Elisha says, dip in the Jordan. And he says, man, we've got this river and that river, and our rivers are better than your rivers. And got, got all uppity about it. And um, Naaman wanted things to be done his way. He had preconceptions. Naaman wanted things to be done his way, and he had preconceptions. But then in verse 13, he said, my father had the prophet... Uh, my father had the prophet told you to do some great thing. You, wait, I, I got to read it. I got I to gotta look it up. Now, see, I'm, I wrote it wrong in my notes. So let's look at 2 Kings. Hallelujah. See what? Uh, he said, it would, you would have, if he asked you to do a hard thing, you would have done it, wouldn't you? He said, I'm, he's just asking you to do something simple. And my wife brought this out to me. And I thought it was really a good thing to end the service on says, then his servants came near and spoke to him and said, my father, had the prophet told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. So, you know, amazing things are going to take place in these moments of obedience to the Lord. And um, how many of you want to see increased fruitfulness in your life? How many of you want to get some results in your prayers? Now, so far, listen, I've had some befuddling things in my life over the course of my life that I just didn't have a clear answer on. I got an answer for a 45-year-long thing that God told me 45 years ago before I was married. I got that answer a few days ago. It just occurred to me. It all made sense. It was like the lights opened, the lights came on. There was another thing from 2004 that we did under the instruction of the Holy Spirit, actually, through a dream. I woke up the next day and made a commitment to a request from someone, and we did something for a period of time, and the Lord showed me, my wife and me, why we did it and uh, what, what it abated on a huge level. And he rarely does, he, I, I don't see that all the time. Like, he just wants us to walk by faith. 
But, and then there, there were two other things that God just all of a sudden shined. So I, I, we've been asking for wisdom and we're getting the miracle of breakthrough and wisdom. And that's awesome. And that's, you know, you, you prayed that for me and it's, it's coming to pass. And uh, this, this church is poised for the miraculous. You as individuals are carriers of the presence of God. And I realize the devil is going to work night and day to make you feel dull and numb and feel like life isn't even worthwhile. You just kind of, I can't wait till I get to heaven. But that is not really our focus. We're already secure with that. Our focus is to yield, identify what the Lord's saying and do it and enter into this. this. How many of you would like to see the super come on your natural? The anointing coming on. I have a friend who plays piano. I'll close with this. He said he practices, he studies, he got, you know, he's degreed in it. He's, he's played it all his life. He said he knows the anointing, when the anointing comes on him, it's where he, his skills and his gift leaves off and then it goes into another level. When Peter was preaching and the Holy Spirit fell upon the people, that is the difference. That's the difference. And, and, and the anointing is what breaks the yokes of bondage. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit is what comes upon us and changes things into a different dimension. Let's all stand up on our feet. Hallelujah. You guys excited? I'm excited. So I wanted you guys to get ready to pray with each other. And, uh, and I, want you to, I want you to believe God for the miraculous, the supernatural. Here's how I want you to pray. I want you to pray that God will give opportunities. God will prevent things that shouldn't happen and prevent things from happening that, should, that, that in fact shouldn't happen. How many of you believe God will prevent things? That's as much of a blessing as an open door. It's good when he slams something closed, right? And then how many of you would like to see some really cool stuff happen in your spiritual life? Okay, I want you to pray for each other about it. On your mark, get set, go.